I'm Steve Backshaw, and you're listening to the Aussie Wildlife Show. All right, guys, welcome to the Aussie Wildlife Show. Adrian here, and I'm here with Steve. Hey, guys. And we're very lucky today to have with us Tracy McNamara. Tracy is the CEO from Fame and a really cool person. Hello, Thanks. Tracy. Hi, how are you going? Very well, thank nice you. Nice to be here. Great to have you here, mate. Um, appreciate you coming and checking out our pad. And yeah, it's incredible. And seeing the Biberons total. I was, I was so happy. We, we, we try to find, well, we, just to go back a step, we've got a, a threatened frog species on the property and we're pretty excited about it. And we spent a bit of time trying to find one. Steve found one to show you. Thank you. Mm, and it's, it's great. It's a boring looking frog. I didn't think so. Its underbelly looked fantastic it's with the really turquoisey blue and the black. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, thanks for saying so. Yeah. <laughs> does that make you feel better? It does. It does. Yeah, it we were going to try and get rid of them up until that point. We might keep them on the land. I'm, I'm still trying to work out about the threatened fern, whether you're pulling my leg or not. But no, we'll that's, still an, see. that's an endangered fern, the king fern, Todia Barbara, endangered here in the Southern Lofties. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. So, so fame mm. do an amazing job at protecting not just animals but plants correct. Uh, for future conservation. Yep, that's correct. It's an important job that you do because you're in charge of getting the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the uh, unique things about the foundation is that we are basically the conduit between a donor or philanthropist and, of course, a project. And we pick our projects very wisely. We build uh, wonderful connections with our uh, community. In fact, we recently uh, undertook a survey uh, that came back that 98% of our community felt engaged with the foundation. We feel it's really important to continually communicate with them, let them know about the projects they're supporting, We set our projects up very um, succinctly, so there's strong KPIs that uh, the organisations undertaking the projects need to report to and equip to us, and they must equip to us also in uh, language that we will be able to tell um, our donors about it, because... Um, our donors aren't all educated in flora and fauna and the scientific names of flowers and mammals. What they are, though, is they know the basic terms. And so it's important that they understand the project. And it's one of the, the key areas for education, because if they understand it, they'll talk about it. And that's one of the areas that the foundation specifically look at is creating that awareness of our endangered species because there are so many of them and we're losing them very quickly and it's really tough to see. And I think a lot of people feel that and see that and they've they've got their trades and their lives and their families and they want to do something, they want to contribute. That's right. And, and that's the thing. Everybody, you know, Australia is one of the most well, I believe is one of the most patriotic countries in the world. We have the most unique range of flora and fauna in the world. And so, you know, it's as simple as I think people believe they have to be these big philanthropists to be able to make a difference. And that's, I think, where the foundation plays an important part because one cup of coffee a week at how much is a cup of coffee these days? Five dollars. Uh, one cup of coffee a week is twenty dollars. Twenty dollars a month. Well, you add that up with you know, 
hundreds exactly. of people doing it. That's exactly right. And it makes a difference. And particularly with the foundation, because we make the organisations that we work with, they're accountable for the work we do. So it's not like they get a pool of money and then we just hope the project works. There are clear outcomes that are set so that the the donor that's giving the $20 feels like they're a part of it. The other unique thing about the foundation is that they can give to a project that they care about. They can either give to a pool of funds, which uh, the board during their good governance will decide where those funds are allocated, or they can give to a project that's at their heart. And so it's important because... When you think about it, we're losing, we've got the worst rate of extinction in the world here in Australia. And what does the world look like in 20 years? What do our children and our grandchildren, you know, are they going to be able to walk through the bush and hear the sounds of the birds? And like today, when we saw the koala in the tree, you know, and a national icon and our children being able to see that, or are they going to have to learn about our flora and fauna in a museum, you know, as skeletons, like we do the dinosaurs? It's really sad. And then you have this whole world of unique reality where people now can put on a mask and headphones and get on a treadmill and they can be walking through nature and they're not actually walking through nature but their brain is getting signals that are touching it and is that what our world's going to look like in 20 years like there's going to be nothing left and that's what people have to convert to like an image of virtual reality it's it's really sad. And if we don't do something now, that's where we're headed. And so it's really important that we look and and really feel and stop for a minute and just be appreciative of what we actually live in. I think you're right. And I think a lot of people feel like that. Yeah. But I think people just feel like they, they you know, what difference does it make? Well... If, every, if you get a group of people that all think that and they come together, they can make a difference. We've seen it happen in the world. You look at the amazing conservation organisations out there. Trees for Life are a prime example. You know, they get volunteers together and they plant trees and the birds come back and biodiversity changes in the area and all these unique things happen because one person got up one day and thought, I'm going to join this person who joins this person and we're going to make a difference. And you can actually do that. And I I think people people don't realise and, and they're, they're led to believe that they can't make a difference. It's too late, but it's not too late. It really isn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love the way that Fame operate, and I love how you said that you make the, the people that get funding accountable for what yeah, they're doing. Like yeah, it's, all the money goes towards you know the outcomes, and yeah. you guys have been around for a long time and been involved in a lot of projects yeah. and had a lot of successes. So yeah. you've got a great track record. Yeah, and I think uh, you know one of the philosophies of the foundation is that we understand that a project might not work. We take we let's talk for example about this amazing project that we're running in Western Australia. So there's around fifty to a hundred wild numbats left in the woodlands, and so what we're looking at is is it possible to get a detector sniffer dog and adapt that to sniff out feral cats? So we're looking at funding that, and can we put those dogs into the woodlands? 
and then they could recognise the cats. And in doing so, there's a couple of things around that. Does does the scent of having a dog in a park uh, deter the cat? Does the dog recognise the cat? But there's a chance this might not work. But if it doesn't work, the way the foundation works with the organisations doing it is that we stage it so we can learn from our KPIs and our outcomes from each stage and build on that so we can adapt it. And if it doesn't work, we can say it didn't work because these are the reasons and next time we can then build on that. We're constantly learning as well as getting good conservation outcomes. Brilliant. And that's an example of a project that you're doing in conjunction with the Australian government. And you've got a team of scientists and ecologists that overlook all of these proposals. Yes. So we have what's called a conservation committee. And that committee looks at every uh, grant proposal that comes in. They look at that and, and each grant proposal is looked at at a standalone. So it's not looked at a pool of grants. It's each grant proposal is a standalone. What are the conservation outcomes? What is the species? Uh, where does it sit on the EPBC? Is there collateral beneficiaries to the project, which is really important as well? So the Numbat project has a huge number of collateral beneficiaries as well, like the Woolly, the Mallyfowl. So by working with one area, we actually has like a domino snowball effect. So there's other fauna that are, and actually flora as well, that benefit. So for example, if you have a bandicoot, it eats the seeds off the ground but then poops out the seeds and then smashes that back into the ground where it regenerates. So there's this little cycle going on. So, you know, it's important that they're part of the ecosystem. So it's all really much the circle of life, isn't it? Absolutely. When um, when you're talking, you're you're obviously (laughs) fond of the environment, you love your fauna and and fauna, but um, you you talk about KPIs and things like that. So you're actually running this as a proper business yeah and i know that sounds it is a business yeah, yeah. it is a business yeah. but a lot of people don't really yeah. apply the business side to it as you guys do really seem to try and do that one of the key uh, philosophies of the foundation that we believe very strongly in is being transparent to the donor so we have to make sure that the money that we have spent because at the end of the day it's people's hard-earned money and they're entrusting us to do the right thing with their money and so the days I believe uh, others may disagree but I truly believe that the days are coming to an end where someone gives a lump sum of money and there's no questions asked about what that organization does with it so so we have um, so we set these key performance indicators up for the project so they have to report so we're aware of what's going on with the project all the time but one thing on that is the foundation doesn't get involved in the operational running of a project it's not our job to get in on the ground level and that's why we go through a very arduous process in picking the grants to make sure that when a grant is given we have full faith that the organization will be able to fulfill the project and do basically what they say they want to do but they have to be held accountable for that money because we're accountable to our donors so we have to keep on reporting back to our donors you know make them aware do we over communicate to them I don't think so they don't think so Um, they like to hear about it Uh, one of the 
absolutely humbling things about being the CEO of this foundation is, you know, we'll send out a project update. Uh, we sent one up about the numbats a couple of weeks ago and the number of emails I have back. You know, I have a... I have the following morning, I sit there replying to all the emails of people saying, great job, what about this? What about this? You know, and they become, they feel part of the community. And I think that's important because uh, they're then comfortable to give their funds away because we know we're taking good care of it. And we know that together we're paying it forward and making a difference to the world. And they're engaged in the project. That's exactly right. And it's what we were talking about earlier, Adrian, when we were talking about your legacy. When you died, you want to make sure that, you know, you were good people, that you helped pay it forward, that you made a difference somehow to the world. You left your stamp, your footprint. That's important, I think. I couldn't agree more. We hear a lot, um, Steve and I hear a lot of people that are in the industry of conservation and um, yeah, the care for animals and all of those kinds of things. And you hear the sentence a lot that I don't do it for money. I'm not about the money. And I think that's a little bit sad. And I mean, it, look, it's not sad. And it, it's it's great. But at the same time, to make a difference, you you, you need money. And you, with more money, you can make a bigger difference. Now, I'm not saying if you're poor and you don't have any money, you can't make a difference. I'm not saying that. We can all yeah. go out and we can all grow local native plants in our backyard and we yeah. can we can do amazing things. But you can do big things with money. And there's too many people doing big, terrible things to the environment with money. The type of person that's normally driven towards money isn't necessarily an environmentalist mm-hmm. type of person. But um, in the case of fame and having you there at the helm, you're getting this money and you're doing amazing things with it. Mm. Would um, would it be possible to just talk about some of the projects that you guys have done over the years? Sure. There's I, many of them. There's many, so, isn't there? Like, so, name a project. So, yeah, quolls <laughs> so, come to mind. I mean, so I love let, Yeah, let's talk about the Western quolls and the brush-tailed possums. We did in partnership with the Department of Environment, Water and Natural Resources here in South Australia in conjunction with the Department of Parks and Wildlife in Western Australia and with the help of some incredible donors and also with the ongoing support of sporting shooters, which I must add because sporting shooters, they have a conservation arm, so they do a lot of work in relation to feral predators in the environment. And I don't... I'm, I just don't think people know how much work they actually do do. And so we get a lot of support from the South Australian branch of the Sporting Shooters in relation to this project. It was a five-year project. It was very ambitious. And we introduced the Western Quoll, the Chodich, and the Brushtail Possum back into the Flinders Ranges. Uh, We did it over three introductions. The project went well, and then we realised the impact of the feral cats on the quolls. So we, again, it's a prime example of what I was talking about earlier. We had that because of the reporting process, we had that capability to say, okay, this has now become an issue. How do we fix this from the learnings that the cats have come in? So we put some more money. We changed the program slightly in relation to feral management and it worked. And so the population is is steady and growing. We're going to continue on with the feral management uh, in the parks to get the numbers right up. But it's about now, this is a um, 
I call it a street smart, which is my wording. I have to make that clear in case there's some scientists or ecologists <laughs> listening thinking, what is she on about? So I call it street smart. So the quolls, the, the, the more chance we can give the quolls to become street smart, the more chance, because they are a top-order predator, the higher chance of survival, particularly with the cats. So we have a number of things uh, in that. Which leads me to a couple of other projects. We do flora and fauna, but what the foundation also does is it looks and understands the fact that there's no point putting quolls back into the Flinders Ranges if they're going to be eaten by feral predators. And so we understand that we're not, we have to look at the big picture rather than the cute little animals and the lovely uh, flora. So what we also do is fund projects in relation to feral predators. So we have the Numbat. We have invested fairly strongly in the amazing device called the Optimising Felixer, which is the cat sprayer, um, which is now all over Australia in trial period, which is doing great things. Is that like a, like a robotic type? camera thing that recognizes a cat yep and then it recognizes uh four touch points and when it hits the four touch points it puts on a spray and because cats are one of the few mammals that self-groom the cat spray uh, licks itself and uh, basically from what we've been told the cat then just goes away and sleeps and dies it's not a uh, awful death Okay, and if a quoll was to go and smell that machine or any other animal, it, would it has go, to walk past it because it doesn't hit the touch points because there's one at each left and right, top and bottom, so it has to get those touch points. So we've also invested in cane toads to stop the spread of cane toads. We've worked with the amazing Professor Rick Shine from the university in that area. So. So we look across the board at the whole picture. Um, we've got a project at the moment on Kangaroo Island for the K.I. Dunart, which is a unique species to Kangaroo Island. And there's actually been no survey work, so they don't even know what the numbers are. So we're ascertaining that first, and then we'll use that as a benchmark moving forward for the project to grow the project. We work, of course, as most people who know Fame would know that we were founding partners of Devilark. So we still support Devilark strongly and Aussie Ark. So Aussie Ark are also based at Barrington Tops in New South Wales. And they look at uh, growing robust populations of endangered species in the future to, I call it rewilding. Some people call it rewilding. It's a bit like Lego, Lego, whichever state <laughs> you live in. <laughs> and we've just, uh, in relation to, um, of course, we've got the Numbat Project. Um, and in relation to Flora, we've just taken on a project in partnership with the Conservation Trust, Macadamia Conservation Trust, to save the endangered Macadamia gentsi. There's only 90 trees left in Australia. I remember you saying that to me the other day, and yeah. I didn't even know there was different species of macadamia. Yeah, so there's four species of macadamia. There's the Queensland nut, the rough-shelled macadamia, the gimpy nut and the bulbar nut, which is the gentsi. The first two are used for commercialisation. So that's what most people would know. But the bulbar nut or the macadamia gentsi is the one that's highly endangered. So we're going to work 
to build a population of that at various sites all through Queensland and northern New South Wales. We're also uh, working down with the Ecology Trust down in the Otways to save the Tulastelia, which is a native lily. That's brilliant. I mean, that's everything you're doing. It sounds really great with just like the ecology. You're looking after... Uh, like you say, you're linking it all together, the mm. whole ecosystem. You, I see a lot of people in my line of work that rescue kangaroos. We've got one right here. Mm. And I think that's fantastic. But they end up with a big paddock full of kangaroos that can never be released. And there's no vegetation on that paddock because those kangaroos have eaten it all. Now, not taking anything away from these people, but... Ooh, you are of, very controversial, I'm, I'm very you? controversial. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to get a death threat. No. Um, <laughs> and no, I'm saying it's great, but what I'm saying is for the average punter that doesn't have time to look into any of the ecological issues and just wants to help, you know, that's somewhere where they, they can donate their money to these carers that care for these animals. And I'm saying, <laughs> maybe controversially, <laughs> I'm saying that's a good thing, but have a look at what FAME are doing and have a look at how they're saving species and how they're educating the public and mm. and their donors are all getting information on what they're doing and what's working, what's not working, how are we progressing and the big picture ecology. Um, I think I'd take my hat off to it. Um, Thanks. Mm. So, you know, people who uh, don't know anything about FAME, Go on our website, find out. You can subscribe to updates. So we have the capability on our website where people don't even have to donate at the beginning. They just want to see what sort of work we do and how we communicate. And so they can subscribe to project updates on the website uh, to get the newsletter. Um, Or they can email me and ring me and we will always answer questions about corporate governance, uh, how we run the project. We quite often get questions about, um, which is an interesting topic, is the percentage of money to the project versus the donor dollar. So at the moment, we probably give 85% of a do- of, of the dollar to the project uh, but it's interesting because I often am asked how much I'm paid um, and there is no money in conservation <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it goes back to Steve's point of um, you need to more and more so a business needs to be transparent it needs to sh- throw show excellent governance Um, It needs to be transparent. It has to have strong business processes, which the foundation have. We've gone through and looked at all of our business process. It also has has to have that foundation for longevity. And all of those need expertise and you need expertise to run businesses and successful businesses and those expertise do come at a cost. 100%. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I think people, you know, I think people start discussing this, how much do you, how much percent in the dollar goes to the project. And I think it's important to for people to understand that uh, we are very operationally agile in a um, – the business – the foundation is set up where – at any time, we are now agile enough we can adjust. Um, we have a, a catastrophic fund where if something happens and the sugar glider becomes 
uh, there's been a fire, we can help fund that immediately. We have crisis management funds. You know, we are really there to be a part of it and uh, to manage that and for it to be sustainable takes expertise. Absolutely. And I think like with, with everything that you do, I mean, we've been to your office, which is a Small office. It's crap. It's, crap. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. It's, it's not nice. Show, it's not got beautiful no, plants. It's got a lovely a, feel about it. <laughs> but we do share an office. I don't have my own yeah, office as the yeah, CEO. Exactly right. you're, you're all in this one room, and and that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, called open plan. Open plan. <laughs> a positive to it, but to to actually put eighty five percent of what you do back in like into projects, I find it's quite amazing. That is and, amazing. And, volunteers don't get me wrong are awesome and yeah, great they are. but you can't have someone unpaid um heading something like fame because yeah. at the end of the day you automatically can get priorities where you get what well, you pay yeah. for too yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. right so and I'm, I think, I'm like, happy that something's been, been you know, run as such a business absolutely. Yeah. sort of strategy and we um you know we have uh um we have a finance manager on board we have caroline who uh is our community engagement officer and she comes highly experienced with a marketing comms background and she, you know, speaks to our donors quite regularly um, and very open, very communicative. Um, very knowledgeable too. Caroline. Yeah, she is. Um, is this the Caroline that I know as well? <laughs> <laughs> But Sorry. but I think but I think the point is I I think volunteers are fantastic yes. and I think you know at the but at the end of the day it's and full time job though isn't it it? Do, it does get controversial because at the end of the day as the CEO of Fame I'm accountable not only to my donors I have to ensure uh, the the money's available to fund the projects we're committed to. I also have to report and I'm account well we're accountable to ACNC we're accountable to ASICS we're accountable for the registered of environment organizations so there's a lot of reporting that needs to go on of a high level um, and we have to make sure at the same time there's fundraising structures in place um, to make sure the longevity of the organisation because I personally believe that there will be less government funding and more reliance on private foundations like ours and because of that, we will play a role. And look, the last week I had this great conversation with Greening Australia. We're looking at the big picture, like further on, how do we work with the Bush Heritage? How do we work with Greening Australia? How do we work with the bigger organisations to make impactful conservation outcomes? Yeah. Try saying that, that fast with a Scotch. That is too to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you just, you know, we're going to have to partner with these organisations and it's important. Like BirdLife Australia is another one. There's so many people doing great things out there. Animals Anonymous. That's exactly right. Aussie Wildlife Show, just to name a couple, come to my mind. But, you know, there's uh, the difference between fame and bush heritage and AWC is we don't have on-ground costs. So, um, you know, Bush Heritage, AWC, they're doing great things. They're incredible things on the ground, really incredible stuff. Like all these organisations, they really are, they they deserve more of the donor, uh, well, they, they deserve more of the philanthropic pool than what they get because I think environment sits at about 5%. 
because people give to people and I understand that. I understand why people give to cancer. I understand why they give to autism. I, I understand that. And I think um, people give to people first, which is really important. But in conservation, we can make incredible achievements with such a smaller amount of money. We really can. And I love your point, like we can't rely on the government to do these yeah, things. Yeah, no. Um, and I think too many people just jump up and down, oh, that's happening, that's the government's fault. What are they individually doing to help? And joining forces with another organisation is a yeah. great way to, to move forward. And, and and let's not take it away from them because they do do a lot. They, you know, governments do do a lot. They, absolutely. They support our parks and wildlife. You know, federally we're in partnership with the Office of Threatened Species, the Australian government, and we work very closely with them on a couple of projects. And I I think they they do, but the the resource pool gets smaller and smaller as the world gets tighter and tighter and yeah. um yeah, it's falling onto us too yeah but, but you're quite right there's some great yeah. people in yeah. government local government we've had a few on the show yeah um doing amazing things yeah but it's and, great that and we you know we've involved. worked with local government on a couple of our projects now and they're great to work with we've had no issues with it yeah do you know what? At the end of the day, what I want is for people to be talking about the environment at the dinner table. You know, like have it as a topic of discussion. Like, let's talk about how, I mean, how good do you feel walking in the bush? Like, it's, and imagine that not being there for your kids and grandkids. It's, it breaks your heart and, and we can do something to stop that. And that's really powerful. Like the fact that we can stop that right now, you know, it's it's really powerful. We can leave a legacy to our kids and grandkids and give them this beautiful world that we have rather than having them, as I said before, putting on a those headphones and virtual reality and having artificial tips hitting all their senses and making them imagine it's something that's never going to be. Yeah. And I should mention too, uh, Tracy, that today, of course, as we know, is Threatened Species Day. Correct. What Happy a- Threatened Species Day. Yeah. <laughs> How propitious. So, you know, and it's really incredible because we have a um, promotion going out at the moment and appeal uh to the public about Threatened Species Day. And yes, it is about the philanthropic dollar, but mainly it's about an awareness. And we've, um, we have a fantastic agency that does a lot of pro bono work for us. And we're running a campaign at the moment about with, which uh, depicts a range of missing posters. So, you know, we talk about, um, you know, you, everyone's seen the missing posters up with the picture of their their loved one and how they've gone missing and will they ever see them again and a contact number. So we've taken that concept because we're not – we're taking that concept because there are so many species that are missing, uh, like the lesser bilby. It hasn't been seen 1950. I think a, was it a, a bone fragment – of one turned up in the 60s yeah. in, in an eagle nest or something. Yeah. So, mm. so there's a range of uh, the threatened species and um, they've got the missing and the dates that they've been last seen. 
So it's more to create that awareness and, as we were talking about earlier, that conversation about the dire situation we are now in. Like, it, it's serious. And so these posters um, bring it home to us in such a way that we can relate to that they're missing. It's all, um, already high impact. Mm. Just yeah. Just look at one of those pictures. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. But then on the flip side of that, we also are, are running in parallel to that. For example, a missing poster with a Western Quoll and we've stamped it returned. So it can be changed. Yeah. That's powerful. That's I love that. Yeah. Um, and so that's really important about Threatened Species Day. We've also started a campaign introduced by um, Caroline, who came up with one of the things we were talking about is the importance of creating this awareness. Like, let's start people talking about it. So she came up with this day called Threatened Thursday. So moving forward on our Facebook page, Every Thursday, we're going to release a post about a threatened species and a bit about that species, just to start creating that awareness and understanding of people of how many. And unfortunately, we can actually probably fill a year. I was going to say, hopefully Mm. at Mm. some point, then you'll run out. I hope so. That would be great. I hope so. You know, I've got one of those jobs, Steve, where I do hope one day they don't need me anymore. Mm. I hope they don't. In the nicest possible way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned your Facebook page and yes. your website, and it's a yeah. great way. Like you said, don't give a cent. Just come and check out what we do. I've been following yeah. you guys for a long time. Thanks. And how long, when did you guys start, by the way? So we're 25 years old this year. Fantastic. So 1993. So people can follow your work on, on Facebook and, yeah. and on, on your website. And where else? If, if, and if they want to know more, they want to get involved, what can, what can they do? Well, they can contact us at the foundation, 83741744. They can email us at fame at fame.org.au. Um, look, we're always willing to have a cup of coffee, uh, to chat about it more. We travel uh, quite a bit, so um, we're always willing when we're interstate, if a donor wants to see us and talk more, we're always willing. We drink a lot of tea and coffee because we love it, so we're always open for someone having it with someone else. Caroline in particular likes chocolate. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've got a Twitter account so they can get us through social media. That's fame. And Foundation for Australia's Most, most endangered. endangered Species. So remember fame. I'm, I'm going to live forever. forever. God, this can't get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I love the work you do. We'd love to have you back on. I'm sure yeah, you've got so many absolutely. more projects coming up. We'd Happy love to, talk to come about back them. and chat. Thank you so much, Tracy. That's right. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. Very fun. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening, guys.